Well, good morning. I am glad you came to church today. Are you glad? You know the rules. One claps, everybody claps. We got to remember the rules. We've been... Uh, I'm glad you showed up today because we're concluding our series today that we've been in over the past six weeks talking about being in this new season. And what we've been doing with this series is really clarifying what we're doing as a church, why we're doing what we do. We're really clarifying what Word of Grace is all about. And not only that, we're also trying to help clarify for the individual what God has called us to do, why He's put us here. I think that's one of the most important things that you and I need to understand is why we do what we do and who we're doing it for. I think those are just some core fundamental questions that you and I need to ask. Why do we give? Why do we serve God? Why do we come to church? And who are we really doing it for? You know, why do we do what we do? When you do a random act of kindness, whenever you extend love, whenever you extend serving to someone else, when we love God, love people, serve the world, you know, why are we doing it? And who are we doing it for? So those are the most important questions that you and I can ask. We've talked about everything uh, from love being our foundation Because it's the very nature of God. It's who He is. God is love, is what His Word says. And so that's the core of everything that we do. And then we talked about our values. We talked about loving God, loving people, and what else? Serving the world. We're loving God, we're loving people, and we're serving the world. That's got to be at the core of our value system here at Word of Grace and us as believers. That's universal. It's not just something that we can slap on a bumper sticker or put on a t-shirt. It's something that needs to be in our hearts that really needs to be at the very core of who we are. And then we talked about how we need to do what we do with excellence because it matters. Excellent matters because when we do things well, it shows that we're putting value on something. We do it well because we're trying to show others that it's important and that it's valuable. So it's very important that you and I understand why we need to do things with excellence because it reflects our perception of Christ. We talked about what we're going to do with what we have because God has blessed us with so many things and he's blessed us with resources and with relationships and uh, and what are we going to do with what we have and how are we going to best use that for his kingdom. And today I want to wrap up this series, if you're taking notes you can write down this title by talking about with everything. Because for us to really go where God wants us to go and to be the church he really wants us to be It's going to take us not only just giving him bits and pieces of our heart or bits and pieces of our life. It's going to really take us giving him everything. You know, when I was a kid, my mom used to keep a little garden, not a big garden, you know, like right across the street from where I live, there's like this big massive cornfield, you know, not anything massive or impressive like that, but something very simple, you know, and she always would just grow some very basic, you know, vegetables in it. It was never anything, you know, massive, but One of the cool things we got to do growing up is my sister and I, we would be uh, given the chance to go pick out some seeds and plant something of our own. And we would always pick like really weird things, you know, just the strangest thing that we could see that we wanted to see if it would grow or not. Uh, I remember one year specifically, my sister and I picked out sunflowers. We wanted to grow sunflowers. Has anybody ever grown sunflowers before? Is that not one of the coolest things? Because it's like you plant it and it just takes forever. And you're like, there's no way this tiny little seed is going to be this massive stalk with this huge sunflower on it. But surely enough, whenever it starts to grow, it grows really quickly, you know, and, and it's just awesome. And we were little kids and here we are looking up at this six foot tall, you know, sunflower. We, we even tried to take one of them down and, you know, pluck the seeds out of it. We were going to roast the seeds. Just go get 50 cents and go buy a pack of sunflower seeds because it's too stinking hard to try to make your own. And it's not really worth it. I mean, (laughs) but it was a lot of fun doing that. 
And as I thought back on that, all my sister and I had to do was plant the seed. All we had to do was watch it grow. You know, my mom got out there, and she's the one that tilled up the garden. She's the one that got out there and would water it every day and make sure that everything was going right with the garden. My sister and I, all we had to do was just do the part we wanted to do. We really didn't want to participate in the part where she wanted us to load up in the truck with her and go to the local chicken farmer and get some chicken poop to load up in dad's truck to go dump on the garden to fertilize it. Um, we didn't want any part of that. And if you've ever done that, you want to be inside the house when that happens. Good grief. That's one of the worst smells whenever you're trying to throw that chicken poop on a garden, you know, to fertilize it. We didn't want any part of that. We didn't have to do it. That was something we didn't want to do. But what we did do is we got to plant the seed and watch mom do all the hard work and we got to reap the benefits. And, you know, I was thinking about that thinking about sometimes that's how we view Christianity. Sometimes that's how we view our walk with God. We just want to reap the benefits. We don't want to do anything that's inconvenient. We want everything that, you know, God has called us to do to be nice and lovely and smell like roses, not chicken poop. You know, we want it to be really nice. We want it to be something that's easy and something that's very convenient for us to do. Listen to me. It's It's in those times that God calls us to do those things that are inconvenient, those things that may not be as easy as something else that maybe we would prefer to do. It's during those times that we find out where our heart really is. Because God's not always going to call us to convenience. How many of you know that loving people is not always convenient? It's easy to love people when they love you back. Heck, anybody can do that. That's not hard at all. Oh, yeah, this person thinks I'm the greatest in the world. Of course I'm going to want to go hang out with them. There's a guy that I like to go have coffee with sometimes. When he gives me a call and says, hey, pastor, you want to meet up for coffee? I love to meet up with this guy for coffee because he pumps me up and he sits there and just loves hanging out with me and he just loves on me and we talk about God, we talk about church, we talk about things going on in his life and my life and man, it's just mutually beneficial. But what about when I have to deal with that person that may have a negative attitude or may not think I'm so hot? Are we still going to show them the same kind of love that we show the guy that showed us love? It's easy to show the guy that showed us love, love. It's easy to say, hey, I want to go hang out with this guy. It's easy to not hit the ignore button on your cell phone when you see that guy calling. But when you see the other guy call, you go, oh, geez. Uh, I'll let that go to voicemail. Um, I lost my phone. I, um, uh, the battery. It's been funny with the signal lately. Um, my email's been down lately. Actually, all communication devices just don't work around me. It must be something weird, government experiment or something. I don't know. We come up with all these lame excuses because we don't want to reach out and show someone else the same thing that we've been shown sometimes. And it's kind of like we choose the convenient things. We just want to see the benefits. We want to see the results. We don't want to put any of the work into it. We don't want to do anything that may be difficult. Let me show you this in the Bible. In the book of Romans, chapter 12, the Apostle Paul here is writing to the Romans. And he tells them something that we've went over here over and over again, but we're going to do it one more again. Romans 12, in verse 1, Paul says this. He's writing this to the Romans. He says... I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So Paul's telling these guys, listen, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. We don't talk like that, and Paul didn't even talk like that. This is New King James talking. 
I beseech you. Basically, he's saying, I'm, I'm begging you, man. I'm pleading with you. I, I'm, I'm imploring you. I'm, I'm begging you based off of what? Off of the mercy of God. Based off of the mercy that God has shown you. I'm begging you. I'm, I'm pleading with you to present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and, and acceptable. This is your reasonable act of worship. Basically, Paul's telling him, listen, that word, that, that word reasonable means it just makes sense. Based on what has been done for you, based on what you've been shown, based on the mercy and grace and love that has been extended to you by God through sending his son Jesus to die for you on the cross, by him extending his mercy and his grace to you, it just makes sense for you to give him your everything. It just makes sense for you to give him your heart and your life and let him lead you and guide you in your walk with him. It just makes sense for you to want to give him something back in return. And the only thing that we can give is everything. A lot of times we like to give what's convenient. We like to give what's easy in our hearts. We like to serve God in a way that pleases us and doesn't really please him. There's a story in the Bible. Jesus encountered this man. He was really rich, had a lot of money, and he was really young. So here he is. He, he was either this hotshot entrepreneur or either he was a guy that inherited a lot of wealth, maybe. You know, I don't know how he acquired his wealth, but either way, the guy's sitting pretty. He goes up to Jesus and he says, Hey, Jesus! What do I have to do to follow you and to have eternal life? What do I have to do to do that? Jesus looked at him and said, well, you got to follow the commandments. He said, you know, the guy said, well, which ones? And he begins to rattle off a few of them. Jesus named six commandments there. And he said, oh, I've done those things since I was a kid. I've been following those. What, what else do I have to do? Jesus said, listen, I know you've done those things. He said, but if you want to be perfect... If you really want to know what it is to give everything to God, he said, I want you to take everything that you have and I want you to sell it and give all that money to the poor. And that's pretty extreme. And the Bible says that the young man walked away sad because he had many possessions. He had a lot of stuff and he walked away sad because he couldn't do it. Now, let me ask you this. Does God want us to not have anything and he wants everybody to sell everything that they have and give it all away? Is that what he's, is, was that him commanding all of us as Christians to do that? No. No, God is not against us having things. He's against things having you. Hello, somebody. You see, he's against that stuff having our hearts. You see, he knew what had that young man's heart. It wasn't that Jesus was trying to be mean. It wasn't Je that Jesus was trying to restrict him. It was that Jesus was saying, if you want to follow me, if you really want to know what it means to follow me and be my disciple, if you really want to know what it means to have eternal life, then give me everything. Give me your heart. A lot of times, folks, we look at Christianity, and the world may even perceive Christianity as a big, long list of can't. Well, Christians can't do this, or you can't do that, and you can't do this, and you can't do that. And we look at all of these limitations, and we go, man, that really stinks to be a Christian. It really stinks to follow God, because it just looks like a bunch of things we can't. And then we look at our coworker or our friend at work who, who, who may not be a, a believer, and they can, can, can. And we go, well, that's not fair. You see, too many times we focus on what we can't, and God never intended on our walk with him to be a bunch of lists and rules of what we can't. He intended, it for, it, he intended us to do one thing, one thing only. And you want to know what that is? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. And guess what? 
when you do that, those other things, you're not even going to be thinking about them because you're focused on what is important. A lot of times we just try to attack the symptoms. We try to attack these different areas instead of dealing with the core, instead of dealing with the real issue. And the real issue is our heart. The real issue is that we've got to get our heart in the right place. Because if we deal with the core, then everything else is going to be taken care of. You, you know, just like our own physical bodies. If, if we get healthy and we deal with the core, then all of these other diseases and things that we deal with, those things sometimes just naturally get better. But instead, a lot of times, we just try to attack the symptoms of depression. We just try to attack the symptoms of fear, the symptoms of this feeling of, uh, of, of like being beneath everybody and like you're not worth anything. We attack the symptoms of anger. We attack the symptoms of lust. We attack all these symptoms, and we're trying to fix all this stuff outwards. And God is just saying, man, if you would just let me deal with your heart and the core of who you are, all of these things would be taken care of naturally because you've got to deal with the core. Does that make sense? That's what Jesus was saying to that rich young ruler. He wasn't saying, I want all your stuff, because he didn't even ask for it. He said, go give it to the poor. What would Jesus benefit from that? Wasn't even a tax write-off for him. It was giving it to somebody else. It was giving it to somebody else. I'm going to go, what's the deal here? Was Jesus after his stuff? No, Jesus was after the guy's heart. He was saying, with everything is how you have to serve me. When it's easy, when it's convenient, and when it's not convenient, when you're standing and sometimes you feel like you're standing all by yourself because you choose to stand on the truth. Hello, somebody. Amen. Sometimes you've got to stand. Sometimes you've got to stand on that truth and what God has said and everybody else is saying, that doesn't make sense to me. Well, you know what? I'm not living by your rationale. I'm living by the Word of God. Something's got to be stable. Something's got to be solid. Too many times, our, our, our rationale, the way we think things should be, the way that we try to rationalize God and we try to make Him make sense, all of these things, we can't live our lives that way because it's based on each one's perception. It's based on how I feel. It's based on how I may perceive it. Something's got to be more stable and more constant because otherwise nobody's going to rationalize things the same way. Nobody's going to think the same way. We're all jacked up, man. Look at somebody and say, we're all jacked up. <laughs> We all have, listen, you know, you want to know why? You want to know why? And, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that we all have different ways of thinking because we've been raised up differently. We've encountered different circumstances. We've all been exposed to different things. And we're all at different places in our lives. And so, therefore, we receive, you know, and perceive things in our own individual way. But that's not going to give me a solid foundation. Something's got to be more solid than the way I feel about something. Something's got to be more solid than the way I rationalize it or think about it. Hello, somebody. You guys out there today? You guys doing okay? Something's got to be stronger than that. Something's got to be more constant than that. Because you and I are all messed up in our thinking sometimes based on what we've experienced. My experiences can't be the foundation for my life. I've got to have something solid and constant and consistent. And that's the Word of God. Amen. See, giving God everything means that we surrender both those convenient and inconvenient parts of our lives. It's not just about the easy street. As a matter of fact, this happened in Scripture in the book of John. In the sixth chapter, you can turn there if you'd like. In the book of John, in the sixth chapter, Jesus was in another one of those situations where he's got this large group of people that are talking to him and 
and, uh, and, and he begins to teach them and instruct them, but they're always trying to catch him in a trap. They're always trying to outsmart him and all this stuff. And so he's got all these people there, and um, they were talking about, you know, Jesus, if you're really who you say you are, then show us a sign. And you see, these are Jewish people, and to them, that would have meant something to the equivalent of a miracle from the past that they had experienced. And one of the biggest miracles that the Jewish people had ever experienced was when God delivered them out of Egyptian slavery. They were in slavery to the Egyptians for 400 years. And when God delivered them out of that slavery, and Moses led them out, and they went in the desert, they wandered around for 40 years looking for where God had called them to go. So for 40 years, these guys are clueless out there, and they're hungry. So guess what God does? He takes care of them, and he feeds them. Anybody know what he fed them? Manna. Manna was like this bread from heaven. It was just there every morning, and it would just be on the ground for them to eat. God took care of them. And that's what the Word says. And so here these guys are thinking, you know, that was a really awesome miracle. That happened to our ancestors, and they've heard this story for generations and generations. If Jesus is the real deal, then he's going to do something on par with the whole manna thing. And so they're sitting there going, Jesus, show us a sign if you really are who you say you are make manna come from heaven and then we'll, we'll buy into it that you're really the son of God. We'll believe. All you got to do is just show us. It's that simple. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. You, you don't get it. You don't understand. This isn't about me providing manna for you to eat. As a matter of fact, Jesus said that I am the bread of life. That really messed him up. Whoa. And then, if that wasn't weird enough, Jesus tells him, Unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you can have no part of me. <laughs> okay, Jesus. <laughs> we got to reel you back. Come here. This disciple saying, holy huddle. Come on, guys. Holy huddle. We're your PR people, man. Listen, you know, if, if Jesus was in the polls right now, Fox News and CNN and all these guys, it'd be like, Jesus just said, eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. He has gone down in the polls lately in his popularity. And all these different things, you know, that's not cool, man. Why did you say that? That's weird. Were you just trying to freak some people out? What was going on? So I got to think here. I've got to step back and I've got to think about this. Now, did Jesus make any mistakes because if he made a mistake then he wouldn't have been the son of god right everything jesus said he didn't go whoops wish i wouldn't have said that that's not how it worked jesus knew everything he was going to say because jesus everywhere he walked everywhere he talked everything he did was in line with the perfect will of god because he was god on the earth so that means when he spoke he didn't go whoops Bad PR moment. All right, guys, go and clean this up for me. Damage control time. Well, actually, when Jesus said, eat my flesh and drink my blood, he didn't really, you know. <laughs> now, was Jesus promoting cannibalism? And you got to look at that. Go, what was going on here? No, of course he wasn't. Of course he wasn't. And he wasn't talking about communion either. What? What, pastor? Are you kidding me? Oh, he wasn't talking about communion there either. Because he said this. Let's look at this. John chapter 6 and verse 53. Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I'll raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. 
As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not the bread like your fathers ate, the manna, because they're dead. He who eats this bread is going to live forever. Now listen, Jesus said, whoever eats this bread is going to live forever. The manna was a really cool miracle, but guess what? Everybody who ate manna is dead. The bread that I'm offering you is going to cause you to live forever. And that's how I know he's not talking about communion because you can't take communion and live forever. If communion got people saved, we'd be passing it out left and right. Getting people right with God. Drink this juice, eat this bread. It's the flesh and the blood of Jesus and it'll save you. No, it can't save you. The only thing that can save you is faith in Jesus Christ alone. That's it. The only thing that can save you is faith in Jesus Christ alone. Amen? <laughs> Listen, it's not something we can do. It's not this form. It's not this, this ritual. Communion is wonderful, but it's supposed to be a representation of what is on the inside of us. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. This is not going to save you. And I'm sorry if that offends you, but it's the truth. Communion is not going to save you. It's not going to make you right with God. If that was the case, we'd be passing it out like hotcakes. All you got to do is take this communion and it'll be fine. Everything will be fine. No, no, no. You've got to take the communion of the heart with Jesus Christ for everything to be fine, folks. Amen? And what was Jesus saying this? Jesus is talking crazy talk. He wasn't talking about communion because he said that if you do this, you're going to live forever. You're going to have eternal life. What Jesus was talking about was I have to be in you and you have to be in me. You have to invite me to live in your life and partake of my life. The way I have said that I, I, I commanded you to live, the things that I've commanded you to do, to have faith in me, to trust in me, what I've commanded you to do, you've got to take of that. You've got to take of everything. You've got to have every part of me and you can't leave anything behind you can't just have half of Jesus. You can't just have a quarter of Jesus. You can't just have your own custom version of Jesus. You just can't have buddy Jesus. A lot of people just want to have this loving, uh, easy street relationship with God that doesn't require anything of us. And it's just, oh yeah, Jesus is my homeboy. No, he's not. He's the savior of the world. He's so much more than that. And we water down the power of God. We water down the message. We water down these things to try to make Jesus something that he's not. Yes, he's easy, he's loving, he's compassionate, he's merciful, he's kind, he's ever-present in your time of trouble. But let me tell you, folks, sometimes it's inconvenient. It doesn't match up with what we always want to do and how we want to live our lives. Sometimes serving him is not always the easiest thing because sometimes the enemy wants to make you feel very, very alone. Is this helping anybody today? Are you getting this today? I'm getting a lot out of this today. I want you to get this, that what Jesus said was a hard thing. It was an inconvenient thing, and here's what happened because of it. He said here in John chapter 6, and verse 66, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Understandable. Because some people didn't get it. They didn't get it. They chose not to hear the truth of what he was really saying. 
they chose to not accept that truth because it was too hard. You mean I'm going to have to give you everything? You mean I'm going to have to take everything that you have given me and that you're going to take everything of me? You mean that this exchange, that this you coming into my life and making me new thing is going to cost me everything? Here's the thing, the same problem with the rich young ruler that turned away when Jesus told him what to do and the same problem with this group that just heard Jesus speak. You want to know what the problem was? It was that they didn't feel like what they were going to get in return was worth the exchange. It's that simple. They didn't feel like what they were going to get in return was worth the exchange. That's a hard thing for us to swallow. It's a hard thing for us to admit to. But sometimes when God is requiring things of us that are inconvenient, we refuse to give it up because we feel like it's not worth the exchange. We feel like that what God is asking us to do to step outside of our comfort zone and to be inconvenienced for His kingdom, to be inconvenienced to love God or to love people or to serve the world, to be inconvenienced to do something for Him, you know, the reward is not worth the exchange. Guarantee me something and I'll debate on whether or not it's worth me giving up my time. Giving up my life. Giving up my heart for something that doesn't make sense to a lot of people. Some people would shun you because of that stuff. Oh, oh they're just being, being selfish. Or they're just letting people walk all over them. They're just being stupid. Or, or I just can't believe that they're acting this way or not reacting this way. Because I'll tell you what, if it was me, I would do this. But we continually give when it's convenient and easy and when it's not. Why? Because we believe that what we do is worth the exchange. That's why the rich young ruler, he couldn't give up his stuff because he didn't believe it was worth the exchange. That's why people can't give up their pornography because they don't believe it's worth the exchange. That's why people can't give up their fear and their anger and their bitterness and their unforgiveness because they don't feel like what they're going to get in return is worth the exchange. That's why people can't give up all this junk that's controlling our lives. That's why people can't give up alcohol and people can't give up drug addictions because they don't believe what they'll get is worth the exchange because here's the problem is that we like it. We get to the point to where it's, we've given it control in our lives and we've given everything to this one area that's destroying us and keeping us back from who God's created to be. And God is saying, listen, if you could give me that, I promise what you're going to get in return is worth the exchange. But we say no, and we walk away sad. Did you notice in that story I told you about the rich young ruler, the Bible says this, that he walked away sad. How many more times are we going to walk away sad and walk away feeling like we know we didn't do the right thing because we refuse to give Jesus everything? I just want to be in this partial Christianity. I, I have Christianity 2.0, the new and improved version, the extra easy version. It's the red easy button version. And we like that and we want that. And sometimes, guess what? It is easy. Sometimes there are easy decisions to make as a believer. But what about when it's not so easy? See, we still want the same results, just like I wanted the sunflower as a kid. But we don't want to scoop the poop. We don't want to deal with the junk. We don't want to do the hard work. Anybody can ride on the coattails of someone else. Hello, somebody. It's easy to jump in whenever everything's going great and everything's going easy. But we've got to understand that we give God everything because He gave everything for us. Amen? That means when it's easy and when it's difficult, when it's popular, when it's unpopular. I've had a quote on my desk for many years since the days when I was in youth ministry. 
And it's, a, it's in a frame and it's sitting on my desk. And it says, true leaders serve. They serve people. They serve their best interests. And in doing so, they may not always be popular. They may not always impress. But because a true leader is motivated by concern for others rather than personal glory, they're willing to pay the price. You see, it's easy to do things that are going to benefit me and that are going to make me look good. It's easy for us to take the, the, the cowardly way out and not deal with confrontation or not to go somewhere that may be inconvenient or do something that may tax my time. It may be easy for me to just sit and just continually do nothing and just hope that the change just comes and one day I have an aha moment and everything just gets better all of a sudden. No, no, no. Sometimes you've got to inconvenience yourself and do some things that are inconvenient. Amen? Amen. Sometimes we've got to do that. We've got to get this in our hearts that it's more than what we just say. And so where we're going as a church is going to require that we love God, love people, and serve the world when it's easy and when it's hard. When it's convenient and when it's inconvenient. The Apostle Paul was planting church in Corinth. And he loved the church at Corinth, and he was ministering to them. He would, he would speak to them. He would write them letters, and he wrote them a letter. And we have that letter in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 15. But even though he loved them, he, he helped found the church, and he ministered to them, and he gave himself for them, and he did all kinds of things for them. They were grumbling about him, and they were talking bad about him. They were spreading lies and rumors and believing all this junk that was getting around, and they had a really bad attitude towards Paul. And so he wrote this to them in 2 Corinthians 12 and 15. He said, I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls, even though the more I love you, the less I am loved. He said, you know what? Even if you talk bad about me, even if you slander me, even if you put me down, even if you try to harm me or you try to hurt me, I do what I do very gladly because I'll spend and be spent for your souls because I understand why I do what I do and who I'm doing it for. Somebody with a conviction, amen? Somebody with a passion, Someone that understands why they do what they do and who they're doing it for. Paul's not doing it so he can get his name on some kind of plaque and get some kind of trophy and be hoisted up on people's shoulders. Yay, look, here comes Paul. Oh, yay. Let me sign autographs for you. Let me sign your scroll, little kid. <laughs> Whatever they did back then, I don't know. <laughs> he wasn't doing it to gain notoriety. Oh, look, here comes Paul. Roll out the red carpet. Oh, it's Paul. It's Paul. No, that's not why he did what he did. He did what he did because he understood he was spending his life gladly because he knew what he was doing was having a kingdom eternal impact for God. He was reaching people. He was loving people. He was loving God. He was loving people. He was serving the world. He was seeing people saved and rescued and seeing souls come to Christ. Church, I want us to gladly spend and be spent for the kingdom of God when it's convenient and when it's inconvenient. But that's going to require us to be the type of people and the kind of church that's willing to give God everything. Does that make sense? To give Him everything, not just partially serve Him, not just partially give Him our heart. I mean, really give Him everything. What we've been doing these past six weeks is we've been trying to clarify what we're about as a church, what we say is important. And you know, that's great. 
We can high-five each other. We can do backflips. We can yell at the top of our lungs. We can get bumper stickers and T-shirts, and, and we can say, love God, love people, serve the world, and that's great, and that's fine. But unless we do what we say we're about, it's nothing more than words. I don't have time. I don't have time to just make it a bunch of words. Hello, somebody. I don't have time to just go around and try to hype people up and get some big crowd going so we can all be excited about something that never happens. When I was a youth pastor, I used to take kids to camp and I'd take them on mission trips. And man, whenever we would go to church camp, they were just in this great environment. They'd get really just passionate for Jesus and want to serve Him and want to do something great for Him. And they would come home and be so excited and I'm going to love God. I'm going to give up that boyfriend or girlfriend that was leading me down the wrong path. Or I'm going to you know, give up sneaking around and, and messing around with other folks. I'm going to give up porn. I'm going to give up all these things that have been holding me back. I'm going to give up lying to my parents. All these things and they're just so excited. They're so passionate to serve God. I'm going to tell my friends at school about Jesus and tell them how He's changed my life. They're so passionate but you know what i began to see is that this passion began to dwindle down after time and then i began to see these same kids that would go on mission trips they would be serving others we would be out on the streets ministering to the homeless ministering to those whose lives have just been destroyed by sin and by all kinds of junk and we'd be loving them and reaching out to them these kids come back and they want to do something great for the kingdom of god but then that passion would gently you know, subtly and slowly fade away. And so I felt this need. Well, maybe we need to go back to camp, right? <laughs> maybe we need to live there. <laughs> and maybe we'll, we'll, we'll have that passion to serve God. No, no, no. The difference was, and it finally hit my lightning quick brain after about four years, that I recognized that I've got to give these young people an outlet to be able to channel that passion if it's going to keep going. We love our cell phones. We love to charge them, and they love to die. You know, you can plug your cell phone up and charge it up, charge it up and charge it up, and if you leave it sitting there and you never make a phone call, a text message, never look at the cute little video of the panda bear sneezing or anything like that, Charlie bit his finger, you never see it, and it's on your phone and you never touch it, guess what? The battery's still going to die even if you don't use it. You know that? Just because you charged it once doesn't mean it's going to stay charged. Just because you caught a revelation, just because you got excited about a vision one time doesn't mean you're going to stay excited. You've got to plug in and do something with that. You know that? For it to matter, you've got to plug in and do something. And that's how you continue. That's how you keep going. And it, 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 I had to recognize that and realize that. So we've been clarifying for the past six weeks what's important to us as a church. We've been talking about it, and we can get excited about it. We can get pumped up. We can get charged up. But we've got to do something with it. Otherwise, it's just a bunch of words. And I don't want to be the church that just talks a good game but doesn't have anything to back it up. If we're going to talk about loving God, let's love God. With a little bit? No, with everything. If we're going to talk about loving people, are we going to just love people a little bit when it's convenient and nice? No, we're going to love people with everything. When we're talking about serving the world, are we just going to reach out and serve when it's easy and convenient? 
No, we're going to serve with everything because that's what God is calling us to do. That's the kind of heart he's calling us to have in our chest that's beating for us to be the type of church and the type of people, the type of husbands and wives, the type of men and women, the sons and daughters, the parents, the business owners, the employees, the people that he's calling us to be in this world to show people what loving God, loving people, and serving the world is all about. And that's by us being authentic and plugging in and doing something and letting it be more than words. Amen? So I promise you that word of grace is going to be about more than words. Do you believe it? Then we got to do it. We got to do it when it makes sense and it's easy and it's convenient. And everybody's going, boy, this fun. And then also when it's like, ooh, this is tough. Man, I've been working, been working with this, this, this person and been talking to him and trying to show him love and be there for him, but I don't seem to be making any progress. And actually, it seems to be, you know, digressing a little bit. And it's just like, oh, this, is it worth it? Yes. Because people are worth it. Amen? And we don't give up. And we don't give up. No matter if you've been spat on, cussed out, you've been run through the mud, we don't give up. I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls. Amen. We've clarified what we're supposed to be about. Now we've got to align ourselves to it. So I want you to write this down. Clarity, alignment, and focus. We've got to clarify what we're about, which we have done. Now we've got to align ourselves with it to make sure that what we do matches up with what we say we're about. And then we've got to focus on that. We've got to focus on that. We've got to get these blinders because the, the, we have an enemy, that, the, the devil, that would try to get us distracted and get us off course and, and get us forgetting about this clarity and this alignment and trying to get us to focus on ourselves instead of focusing on God and people and others. He wants us to focus on ourselves. He, he wants us to focus on, 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 oh, poor old me, or I can't. And we get blinded or we get distracted by stuff that gets thrown at us, just stuff that pops up in life, just stuff that happens that we may or may not have any control over. And what do we do then? How do we react during those times We've got to align ourselves with what God says we're supposed to be about, and then we've got to focus on it. When it's easy and when it's not, when it's convenient and when it's inconvenient. You know, I've preached a whole series about vision, and I have never used Proverbs 29, 18, but I'm going to use it right now. And that's the scripture that says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Or they cast off restraint. They just, they get apathetic, or they get uh, uh, just, just so hard in their hearts and they just eh, whatever it doesn't matter they get indifferent eh, whatever it doesn't matter it's not really going to change or help anything anyway in the long run yeah really well let me tell you when we decide to walk with clarity answering the question why we do what we do and who we're doing it for and then we align ourselves to what we say is important and we begin to focus on those things you're going to begin to see lives change. And it's not just going to impact that one person, but it's going to impact others. And it's going to impact generations because now all of a sudden, uh, mama may have been raised up a certain way, feeling like she's worthless and being run all over and maybe told what she can't do and how sorry she was. But because she got a hold of Jesus and because Jesus got a hold of her and she gave him everything, it changed her life. And guess what? It changed her children's lives and it changed their children's lives and their children's lives. And all of a sudden, you've impacted generations because... You decided to reach somebody who was maybe a little inconvenient at the time to love. 
Are you getting this? How important this is? That we love people and that we're genuine, that we're authentic and that we focus on that. We clarify that. Where there is no vision, the people perish. That, that word vision means the ability or God-given gift to see those things which are not as though they're becoming a reality. These things become a reality when we clarify, align, and focus because it's what God has called us to do. But to move forward, we must give God everything. To move forward, we've got to give Him everything when it's easy, when it isn't, when it benefits me, and when it doesn't. Because guess what, folks? This isn't about me. Look at somebody and say, this isn't about me. We've got to get that. This isn't about us. This isn't about me benefiting and me trying to be someone that's so important or me trying to earn some kind of accolade for myself or just be this great person that everyone thinks is just so wonderful. No, it's about being spent for God. It's about loving the unlovable it's about reaching out to the hurting and the neglected. It's about doing the kingdom work. Jesus said it himself. He said, the Son of Man did not come to, ser to be served, but he came to serve. He didn't come to be served. He came to give his life as a ransom for many. God, open our eyes to see the things that make your heart cry. Help us, God, to be the church that you would desire. A light in this world to be seen. Lord, break down our pride and all of the walls that we've built up inside. Our earthly crowns and all of our desires, God, we lay at your feet. With everything, church, with everything, it's time that we truly give God everything. We give him our ideas, the way we think things should be. We give him our attitudes, our trust, our obedience, and our alignment with what he says is important, allowing his word, his truth, to shape those things and not let our reasoning of how things should be take precedence. But God, we choose to follow you because we trust you. We trust that you're authentic, that you're true, that you're faithful, and that if you said it, that that's the end of it. And then I trust that, Father. Let's give him our hearts today, church. Let's truly give him everything. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes for just a minute. Nobody looking around for just a minute. I want to ask you in this place today, if you say, Pastor Derek, I'm, I need to give God everything. I need to have Jesus Christ in my life because I don't know if I'm in the place where I need to be right now. Or maybe you at one time said a prayer and you accepted Jesus into your heart, but you feel like you're not really where you need to be. You feel like you've broken fellowship with him and you just, I just wanna, I wanna be right and renew my commitment with him today. If you're in this place, I promise I'm not gonna embarrass you. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. I just want you to let me know that you're here. Just raise your hand and put it back down. I see those hands. I see that hand. I see those hands. They're all over the room. You can put them back down. Anyone else? I don't want to miss anyone else. If God's tugging on your heart, you say, Pastor, I want to be right with God. I see that hand. 
You can put it back down. Church, would you help me by just repeating this prayer after me, saying, Jesus, come into my heart and make me new. I give you everything because you gave everything. You died on the cross for my sin, and I ask you to forgive me and make me right with you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Look back up here. If you said that prayer for the first time.